The scripture passage for today comes from the second chapter of Mark, beginning at the first verse. Hear now the word of God. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, as, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and take your mat and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of God has authority on earth to forgive sins, Jesus said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O oh God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Speak to us, enlighten us through your word spoken and proclaimed on this day, through the word made flesh in Jesus, the risen Christ. Amen. Well, the cat's out of the bag. I'm leaving for my sabbatical today. I am so grateful for all of my colleagues who are picking up the slack while I'm away for almost four months I'm grateful for Steve for always making space for us to spread our wings and for sharing the pulpit. And I'm so grateful for you, this congregation. As most of you know, I joined this church in 1997 and raised my family here. I have been working and serving at Church of the Palms for about 15 years, and you have always been here for me. You were there for me when I was raising three young daughters on my own. You celebrated with me when Brian and I got married and blended our five daughters into this one big crazy family. You cheered for me when I went to seminary when I was 50. You celebrated with me when I was ordained five years ago. And you celebrated with us when my oldest daughter Jordan was ordained four years ago. I have felt nothing but love and support from you all along this journey. Thank you. Thank you. I am also grateful for my committee team that helped me put this sabbatical together, for our personnel team and our session who implemented a sabbatical policy that gives your pastors a time for rest and renewal. 
so that we can return to you feeling energized, spiritually rooted, and creatively inspired. For this sabbatical, Steve encouraged me to apply for the Lilly Endowment Grant for Clergy Renewal. By the grace of God, I was awarded one of those grants which gave me nearly $50,000 for both my renewal and for yours. The overarching question for this grant is, what will make your heart sing? That is a worthy question for each of us to ponder, even if we aren't applying for a clergy renewal grant. As I began dreaming about the things that bring me joy and places that where I sense God's delight, and imagining how I might best be refreshed and renewed, I came up with a theme, experiencing God through people, place, and play. One of the key scripture passages I leaned on was the story we heard today in the Gospel of Mark. People are so very important to experiencing God because the very essence of God is relationship. From the beginning, Father, Son, and Spirit have been together, an eternal mutual indwelling of the Trinity. In Genesis 1, we are surprised when God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. And then at the beginning of John's gospel, as we recognize that Jesus is the incarnate word of God, we read, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then jumping down to verse 14, and the word became flesh and lived among us. God sent Jesus to extend the relationship with us, who then sent the Holy Spirit to continue the relationship among us. People matter because relationships matter to God. As with many of us, people in my immediate family are my most important relationships. My husband, my three daughters, my two stepdaughters, and that keeps growing to include their partners and grandchildren, even grand dogs and grand cats. In addition to families, God also gives us a beautiful space to include friends. I immediately thought of those friends who carried the paralytic to Jesus. We don't know how far they traveled, what the weather was like, or what lengths they went to arrange this. Not to mention the last obstacle they had to overcome where the only access to Jesus was through the roof. Now those are some good friends. And as we heard, when Jesus saw the faith of the friends, not of the man on the mat, Jesus acted. Our mothers were right. The friends we hang out with do matter. So let's pause right there for a moment. Do you have friends like that? Those people who have gone the distance for you those people who show up in your life and who really see and know you. Who has carried your mat? Have you been that kind of friend for someone else? Friendship remains a powerful element of this story and of our lives as God continues to work through friendships for the good of the world and the people who God loves so much. 
So part of my sabbatical includes experiencing God through a pilgrimage with the four women who have been carrying my mat. One of the women has carried me my whole life, and two of the women have put up with me for over 20 years. One friendship is less than five years old. But you know, the reason we became mutual mat carriers in a relatively short time is because of that book series we did as a congregation a few years ago by James Bryan Smith. In one of the three good and beautiful books, Smith recommended the spiritual practice of having a soul friend, which is like a workout partner for your soul. After reading that chapter, we committed to meeting with each other every other week, and from that time together, a deep, authentic, and meaningful relationship has grown. You see, it's never too late to nurture an existing friendship or to begin cultivating a new one. So, I found a three-week pilgrimage in Italy called The Way of St. Francis. St. Francis resonates with me as he is known for his love of nature and, and belief that all creatures, including animals, are part of God's creation and they deserve to be treated with respect and kindness. He is also famous for his devotion to the poor and the sick and his advocacy for peace and reconciliation. This walk begins in Lucca and ends in Rome. One of my mat-carrying friends is to journey with me each of the three weeks. After signing up and paying for it, I learned that the trek is nearly 260 miles. Research, research, research. And because my mom, who has been my mat champion mat carrier for my whole life, can no longer travel, I did plan a solo week in Norway after the hike where I will hold her close in my heart. She sent me a card this past week where she said, I couldn't be more proud of you. And remember, my spirit will be with you, along with the Holy Spirit, who better not crowd me out. While I'm nervous about the distance of the pilgrimage and the hills, I am encouraged because I will finally be slowing down to the pace of God. In 1979, Japanese theologian Kosuke Koyama wrote a book called Three Mile an Hour God. In it, Koyama writes about a Jesus who intentionally chose to move slowly, roughly the speed we still use to cover that distance today on foot, about a mile every 20 minutes, three miles each hour. Koyama said, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have, he would have gone much faster. You see, love has to go slow. It's an inner speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's a pace where you can notice with all of your senses, both people and creation. And I believe that gift of being present, which is the place where God always is, will be one of the gifts of walking. Another lesson embedded in my pilgrimage is that Jesus always walks the pace of his companion. It's no faster than three miles an hour, but it may be much slower. It's important to note that Jesus not only walked with his friends and family, he also walked alongside outcasts, 
like prostitutes and tax collectors, the kind who were not yet reformed. He walked with people through sickness, sorrow, misunderstanding, sin, abandonment, and death. Jesus never rushed nor sped ahead. Love does that. It walks the speed of another. It reminds me of a pacer. If you've ever run in a competitive race, you may be familiar with the person who's holding up that sign that they're going to keep for the entire race. They aren't running to break their own records or to meet their own goals. They're running to meet the needs of others. Through friends, strangers, and even silence, our sandaled God will walk our pace wherever we are going. Before my pilgrimage in Italy, I'll be spending a week in Ireland to explore Celtic spirituality. I have much to learn, but I understand that Celtic wisdom is rooted in creation and has long emphasized an awareness of the sacred essence of all things. In Celtic spirituality, the bird is a symbol of awareness, encounter, and epiphany. Imagine Wherever we are, if we take the time to notice with an openness to encounter the divine, then we may be gifted with a new way of understanding and living our lives. One particular place in God's creation I have intentionally woven throughout my sabbatical is mountains. As embodied creatures, place becomes integral to our interactions with God. Growing up in northwest Montana marked me as a mountain woman. The beauty, ruggedness, and splendor of mountains connects me to God, touches my soul, and ignites my heart like no other landscape. My three daughters and I will spend a week in the mountains of Germany, Switzerland, and France. Perhaps the biggest challenge for me in this sabbatical is experiencing God through play. I know how to work how to get things done, how to be very productive. I'm a bit out of shape when it comes to play. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is both here, right now, and yet to come. As I pondered the qualities of children that Jesus held in such high regard, I thought of things like, Imagination, curiosity, love of nature, gratitude, humility, compassion, and playfulness. Over the years, I have cultivated some of these characteristics, as I'm sure you have as well. It sounds like an oxymoron, but I'm going to have to work at play. This wonderful seven-week trip of a lifetime to Europe concludes with my husband joining me in Amsterdam. He has to work the other time. After this, I scheduled nine weeks of rest at home, which includes a week in the mountains of North Carolina with our big family and hopefully with a trip to visit my parents. That's my sabbatical. Enough about me. One of the best parts of the sabbatical grant is that you also have an opportunity for renewal as a part of the congregation. We don't have to travel to Europe to encounter God. In fact, we don't even have to leave our neighborhood. 
during Gather and Grow in May, I have arranged to have three amazing speakers share with you on topics that are related to my sabbatical. Since a sabbatical is an extended Sabbath, our first speaker next week on May 7th is author Dana Trent. She will teach us about the life-giving practice of Sabbath. I used money from the grant to cover her expenses and to buy her book on Sabbath for everyone who attends the class at 1015. On May 14th, we have the Reverend Dr. Kathy Wiggins here to teach us about Celtic spirituality. We will all be learning about encountering God in new ways, in ways that we can implement while we're right here in Sarasota. Finally, on May 21st, Pastor Steve is teaching on pilgrimage. If all is going as planned, I will be about a third of the way through my pilgrimage as you are learning about it. When I return in August, I have plans to feed you Italian food and to share with you my experiences and to hear about yours. I don't know how God is going to show up, but I am trusting that God is faithful and that I will return to you with stories to tell, feeling energized, spiritually rooted, and creatively inspired to serve you for years to come.